Today, you get to listen to my interview with Stefano Sifandos, relationship coach, masculine feminine educator, and consciousness expander. Stefanos is a trained educator and relationship expert with a background in behavioral science. He's passionate about leading people closer to their highest potential and to each other. Stefano's philosophy merges the best of Eastern and Western methodologies to promote spiritual balance and empower people in life and love. From trauma release to navigating the murky waters of modern masculinity to helping women understand the men in their lives, he helps people escape negative patterns and cultivate a positive sense of self. Stefanos has worked with thousands of men and women from all walks of life, special forces soldiers, Olympic gold medalists, elite fighters, and everyday people have relied on him to restructure and reframe their relationships with themselves and their loved ones. This episode is gold. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to Be You Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Stefanos, thank you so much for being on the BU Podcast with myself and with everyone listening. I am super honored. You know that. I'm so excited about our beginning friendship and relationship with you as my coach. And I'm thrilled to dive in. So as we were saying before we started, you have so much experience and so much knowledge. We could talk for a week straight and it still probably <laughs> would not be enough for myself or any of my friends listening. But because this podcast is primarily for women... I would like you to share with everyone, after introducing yourself a little bit, what is something that shows up over and over and over again with women of all ages that you believe every woman deserves to learn about and explore? Yeah. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. I uh, very much appreciate being here. And as you know, it's a, it's a pleasure to work with you and, and to be here in this podcast. So a little bit about me, just my background, very, very brief. Like most of us, I've experienced uh, a decent amount of pain and trauma in my life and for so many years I left that unchecked and I played in the realm of the intellectual. So I understood what was happening with people in relationships, with trauma, with behavior and how we interact in the world and human optimization, but it wasn't embodied and integrated because I was avoiding my own pain and trauma because I was so scared of, of touching it, of, of becoming acquainted with it. And so for so many years, I was really driven by unconscious forces of attempting to keep myself safe. Mm. 
And I would do this in various ways. I would be violent. I would be aggressive, abrasive. I'd be defensive. I'd be hyper-protective of myself. I wouldn't be able to be vulnerable. I armored my heart. I kept my distance in relationship. I was, there was infidelity. There was unfaithfulness. It was just, I was really out of control. I was always seeking for short-term gratification to try and numb and avoid. So numb the pain and avoid really going into the, into my past. Not to dwell there, but to just heal it to really become acquainted with it enough and develop enough awareness and consciousness around it to heal it. And so whilst I was studying behavioral science and psychology and getting my master's degrees and doing all these amazing things, I was also living this double life where I was living in the shadows, particularly with sex compulsion and sex addiction and also just mixing with people that weren't aligned with my highest values, but I was attempting to mask my insecurities with false bravado. And that meant not being with very pleasant people. I was in gangs, involved in gangs and other things. And it just wasn't, it wasn't a good time of my life. Very dishonest, fake and false. And so all of that came to a head a few years ago, a number of years ago, where it was a big wake up call for me. And I had many along the way, but I ignored most of them, except for this one. I was in a relationship and and she discovered that I was unfaithful in the relationship And it brought up a lot of shame and guilt at a very intense level and a lot of implicit memories, memories that were unfamiliar to me, that were unconscious in me, started flooding to the surface of my awareness. And also seeing how much I'd hurt her and the remorse that that caused within me, I just knew that what I was doing wasn't healthy for anyone. And that's, you know, the short of that is that I just, I really leaned into making big changes and I gave up everything. I gave up my businesses, I, I stopped mixing with certain friends, I, I lost my identity, but I started actually facing the stuff that I was avoiding for, you know, 30 years. And it was life-changing for me. And I was able to really embrace and integrate and embody all these amazing things that I'd been learning along the way in my journey that I wasn't really able to touch fully. And that's where I started becoming more trustworthy because I started trusting myself. I started becoming more available to myself because I stopped fracturing myself. I stopped only conveniently choosing the parts of me that I wanted to show to the world that I thought would not be judged, that wouldn't be humiliated, that wouldn't be rejected. And so coming from that place, I started to increase my level of self-acceptance. My self-love, self-worth started to raise. And that's where I really started to embody my gifts as well, my service to the world. And I became very clear in who I was and who I was being because before that, I wasn't clear. I was very confused. And again, masking that with addiction to adrenaline and making money really fast and then burning it and losing it really fast and then needing to make more of it. And in this constant stress cycle of burn and build, and so many men do this because they're addicted to the adrenaline that gives them a high that distracts them from the unconscious, unresolved wounding that they have. And so that's a little bit about me. And then to answer your question, I spent a lot of time working with amazing people, elite special forces soldiers, gold medal, Olympic gold medalists, world champion fighters, some of the the best, you know, top level CEOs, the best people in their fields. And what I've learned is that all of those external accomplishments are amazing, but those people suffer the most when their relationships aren't intact. And so when you ask me what are some of the common themes, particularly that women experience in relationship, two two things come to mind. And these are, first and foremost, these are human constructs. We all experience it. But I see a lot of this with women attracting unavailable men 
and coming from a place of low self-worth that then contorts their image and contorts how they present in the world and how they present in relationship. Now, men do this as well. We just do it a, generally do it a little differently. Okay. There's so much I want to ask you. So when you're working with women, how do you help them recognize their insecurities? How do you help them recognize where this behavior is coming from without causing more shame and without them? I know my reaction would be, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I feel bad about myself. I want to relive the last 10 years. How do you do that? Safety. So it's very, very important that if we are to explore anything that's deeply uncomfortable, firstly, we don't want to re-traumatize the body and the mind. That's not what it's about in any capacity. However, we do want to feel and release, express the unfelt feelings that were generally repressed at the time of any traumatic experience or difficult experience. So we don't want to relive that trauma by any means, but we want to create physical, emotional space for self that we are confident enough and courageous enough just to explore a little bit, a little bit at a time, safe enough not even completely safe, just safe enough to address one component or one moving part of that block or that difficulty or that belief system or that idea about how oneself is and should be in the world, whatever it may be, right? We have to create safe enough circumstances to explore that in a more open way. Now, we do that through, how do I do that with people? I mean, it's I, I can explain it to you intellectually, won't make sense to you experience it, but through nonverbal cues, through using very specific language, through guiding the individual in a very particular way, through non-judgment and compassion, through talking about and even speaking to really difficult subject matter and that individual experiencing, oh, they're not actually shaming me right now. Wow, that's that I've been shamed for that in the past. So being able to speak freely in the container and not be hindered in the expression. These are some of the elements of creating a safe container. And so when we start with safety, we're able to explore a little more. And it's in that exploration that the unconscious becomes conscious, that the unresolved can become resolved because we're actually able to deal with it in a safe way and it's not as overwhelming. And I ask that because I think, you know, I don't want to speak for most women, but I believe that most women I know would be afraid to even go there for that reason, to sort of be exposed. What am I going to find? What is this person going to think of me? Even what is the coach or therapist going to think of me? But what am I going to think of me? when I find out who I really am. So when you said unavailable men, will you explain that? Because I know some people are thinking that just means someone who's physically unavailable, but like, what does that look like? I believe, I don't know if you agree, that a lot of women are even married to men. They deeply love them. They think they have a, a good marriage, but if you describe it, they might say, oh, wait a minute. I'm seeing those things too in my husband, you know, not as a critique, obviously, but an observation. So what do you mean when they're unavailable? So values could be misaligned. In other words, you know, we often get together and sometimes we get together with others out of desperation. We come together in some form of union because we feel lonely or we feel not enough or we feel society says, oh, we should have a partner. And that can be, that can be challenging. And so we get together for the wrong reasons. Now, unavailability can present itself in many, many different ways. It can represent itself in physical unavailability. So you could be long, you could have a pattern or a habit of long distance relationship. That's an example of unavailability, a physical unavailability. It could be that your partner 
works a great deal or prioritizes other areas of his life, i.e. hobbies or work or building his business or whatever it may be, or a family from a previous marriage more than he does this relationship. Now, general, that's their examples of, of uh, physical unavailability. I'll come to emotional unavailability and spiritual unavailability in a moment, but with the physical unavailability, where does it come from? And this is all unavailability. Low self-worth, low self-esteem, having a familiar understanding of the masculine representation in your life not being present for you. So emotional unavailability could be you're not hearing each other. He's unable to communicate to you or express what he's really feeling. You want more affection or emotional intimacy from him, even physical touch. He's unable to give that. He's shut down. He cannot communicate without conflict. There are examples of emotional unavailability. Spiritual unavailability, you share very different beliefs on how life should be and you struggle to come into union on that or you struggle to come into a balanced expression of what does this look like in our lives together as a couple. And so that unavailability is someone, a partner that cannot meet you where you're at, that doesn't understand you, that doesn't want to even understand you, that cannot understand you. And so I I see this over and over again. Women particularly will just keep attracting this unavailable man because as a child, as a little girl, their father was absent. Their father wasn't there to guide them, to give them approval, to to give them validation. We need that from our parents. We need that positive reinforcement. And so we just play out familiar patterns because they feel safe, because they're familiar. There's a level of certainty there, even though they're not healthy for us. So would you say too, when you're describing the father in that example, I'm thinking that there could be people saying, nope, my dad was around. Nope. My dad went to all my games. He was there. It's so much deeper. I know it's so much deeper than that, but I know there are people that don't even think about this. So I think it's interesting that you're saying that essentially what we're doing is we're attracting this emotionally unavailable man, but then we're unfulfilled and we're complaining about it. Why isn't he this way? Why isn't he? We don't even realize that we called that into our life. I think that's what you're saying, right? There's something in me that attracted this person who's exactly this way. And then there gets, comes to a point where I say, well, I don't like that. Yeah. And we attract the experiences that are regular in our lives because A, we want our parts of our bodies, parts of us want to heal those experiences and make ourselves whole in those experiences. And the reason why we keep repeating them is because we're not doing that. And I absolutely hear that. But my dad was there, you know, he, yeah, he worked, but he was there in the evenings and, and he came to all my games and he came to see me when I was performing, whatever it was that I was doing as a child. And, and did he really see you? Did he appreciate you? Did he approve or reinforce your behavior? Did you feel really seen by him? Was there criticism there at an underlying level? How did he behave with your mother? What did you witness there? What level of availability did he bring to your mother as an example? And it can be roles reversed as well. It doesn't just have to be a father. 
It can be the mother that was unavailable as well that was not nurturing. It just gets transferred into romantic partnership, whatever your sexual orientation is. That's not really, really relevant. These are energies. These are projections and energies. And we learn a great deal from our primary caregivers during our developmental and formative years. And there's various stages to our formative years as well, about five to six. But And, and each stage is crucial in its own right. But what was happening in your life at certain times of your life during your, your growth and development where you learned or you thought was the right way to be in intimate relationship. So are you saying, I want to make sure I'm following you. So for me, for example, if my mother was the one who was not emotionally available and not really seeing me, that could still transfer into a heterosexual relationship. Absolutely. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. So one thing I know I I mentioned to you that I'm super curious about is the role of masculine feminine within the female. So I didn't share this with you, but I've always known that I have this kind of like male energy and I've never had anyone describe it to me. I didn't know until recently that there's a more detailed description that is really me. But when I say male energy, I would just say like I can be kind of tough, but yet I'm super sensitive. That's why I can't wait for you to explain this. I'm very sensitive. I get my feelings hurt very easily, but I'm very tough. I'm super driven. I'm super goal-oriented. I tend to do a lot of do and not a lot of be. And I've always been that way. And even my, when I speak, I can even feel this kind of, I don't know, I've always called it male energy. My friends used to laugh at me. You know, I'm like, I can't describe it, but I know I have it, even though I've always been a girly girl. Someone recently was talking about that. And I thought, I would love to have you just explain that and dissect that a little bit, because I think it's fascinating, but it also plays out, right, in our work, in our relationships, and our parenting. So what do you say about that? Yeah, so masculine feminine energetics is not gender specific or gender orientated. Masculine feminine energetic is just that. They're just energies that reside within every human being. We split them or we put them into a duality because we can learn a little easier sometimes through contrast. And that's really all it is. At the end of the day, whatever characteristics we assign to masculinity or femininity, they're human traits. I want to be really, really clear on that. And When we look at different ancient cultures, cross-culturally, by the way, over various time spans, we see this dialogue, this narrative around masculinity and femininity. And some would say, and I, I tend to agree with this, that most males, not all, but most males, gendered males, will have more of a masculine energetic. I believe there's biological reasons for this, evolutionary reasons for this. And the compounded effect of cultural reasons for this as well, family dynamics, what society says, and how that transcends over generations. Most females will carry more of a feminine energetic, but that's not always the case. And it's not wrong or right if you do or you don't. You've got to move to what's natural for you, what feels right for you. If you're in this, you said you mentioned a doing energy, if you're in this linear, directed, goal-orientated, performance-based, competitive energetic, it's all about objectives, it's all about accomplishment, attainment, status, and so forth. If you're in that energetic, which would generally be considered more masculine, and it's wearing you out and it's tiring you out, and you're not balancing that with any human being, by the way, but let's just talk about you for a moment. If you're not balancing that with a more passive approach to life, more more being, more in the moment, less about the future, less linear and more fluid, so to speak, where you're adapting to the environment in real time, where you're slowing down as opposed to speeding up, where you're in your body more as opposed to in your head more. If you're not balancing that enough and your natural energetic is more feminine for you, 
then you're going to feel out of whack. You're not going to feel balanced in your body. You're going to feel tension. You're going to feel, oh, when is this going to stop? You're going to be tired. You're not, you're, you're going to be maybe, depending on your personality, you're either going to be abrasive or aggressive or withdrawn. You know, you may go deeper into more overt external representations of unhealthy masculinity, such as abrasiveness and seeking to control your environment, or you may retract into just wanting to get away from the world, right? And that's not healthy either. So these energetics reside within all of us. And it's so important that we recognize that and we we allow that to be a very real thing. I developed a, um, a quiz. I haven't released it yet. Um, it will be released soon though on identifying your core masculine or feminine, identifying your core energetic, your, your core polarity basically. And so are you more, uh, is your core essence more healthy masculine? Is it more unhealthy masculine? Is it healthy feminine or unhealthy feminine? And there's a series of questions and it's an assessment essentially that helps you just connect to almost like a personality test, right? And again, I'm very mindful with these. These are always guidelines. Like even with the most astute psychometric, psychological personality tests now that exist, whether it be Myers-Briggs or something else, they're still not really grounded in solid science. So yes, they're very valuable and they're very insightful and some are very accurate, but I, I say that just take it for a grain of salt and more use it as, does this apply to my life? Because that's important. Mm. So when you talked about control, that's something I have struggled with for a long, long time, probably my entire life. But as an adult, I didn't really, I wasn't aware of it, honestly, until a couple of years ago when my daughter pointed it out. She's the one who said to me, you know, you just, you try to control everything around you. And I was like, oh shit, do I? And I realized where that came from, but I didn't know that that had anything to do with that masculine energy. I had no idea because I really am just learning this. I think that's interesting. And I also noticed on one episode, I talked to our community about the whole idea of it's okay to just be. It's okay to not try to go for goals. It's okay to let yourself off the hook. That's something that's new to me. I would say just in the last three years, three to four years, and it really has changed my life. I gave myself permission to not win. But the problem is it came because I crashed. It wasn't because I just had this really intellectual aha. No. You're forced. Yeah. I, I literally got to the point where I said, I can't and I won't do this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. And then does this happen with other people? I went into this hyper reactive mode where it was, it wasn't just, I'm going to create healthy boundaries. It was, you don't get my time. No one gets my time. And I had this like wall around me, like you have to have a golden ticket to even get five minutes of my time because I was so depleted at that point. This was in my business, probably in all areas of my life. But is that something that you find is common with women? Because it doesn't seem to be common just with women. It seems to be common with Americans. But what would you say as far as women? Because I have friends who work in the home with their children. They don't have a career outside of the home. And, and you know, that's hard work. And they do the same thing. They're volunteering for everything. They're they're saying yes to everybody. They're being everything to everyone. And then they crash with a glass of wine and Netflix. And they don't think that that's the same thing, but I think it is of what I was doing with work. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I think it's very similar. It's a human construct. It's a cultural construct of Western society, but not just Western society. You look at what happens in Japan. You look at the suicide rates there. You look at the way they work as an, as an example. Of course, there are many other examples as well. It's a product of our society, and, and what it essentially is is an unhealthy 
extreme expression of, if we were to look at masculine and feminine dynamics from a place of polarity or contrast, it's an unhealthy expression of a masculine energetic. So we need doing energy. We need to be able to accomplish things. We need healthy competition. We need to be able to set goals and be objective and very clear and linear and directed in our uh, creation in the external world. But when it becomes a crux to the point where our health is suffering, our families are suffering, our relationships are suffering, it becomes unhealthy, unsustainable, and extreme. And so it's a human thing and definitely a construct of our culture in various ways But the control piece and the control to even succeed and create and be recognized and seek validation and approval is coming from a place of unattended woundedness, whether, you know, we really strive for that attention from our parents that to recognize our brilliance and now we become high achievers and perfectionists, whatever it may be, or we have to have the best of everything because that signifies that we'll feel safe when we have more The psyche is a funny thing. It's a very interesting, complex, layered aspect of development of the self. And we find ways to feel safe. Everyone has different ways that they do that. For many, it's accomplishments and being seen in a particular way by our peers and those that we think are valuable in our lives or or have or carry value in our lives, right? But their opinion matters. And so that, that control piece of I'm going to do everything I can to get everything I want and need, we can be excessive with that. And then it becomes a habit and becomes a pattern and we almost can't live without it. And so to answer your question, yes, that's very, very common. So as we're wrapping up, I do want to just go a little further with this particular topic. Sure. When we're talking masculine and feminine, I, I, I want all of us to take the quiz when it comes out because I know that's going to be the answer. But without the quiz, will you just describe the feminine energy? And I know you said, and I want to remind everyone, there's no good or bad here. There's no right or wrong. But what is the feminine energy? Like if I said, Stefanos, how can you help me be more in my feminine energy? It's not natural to me. How would I do that? So you're asking about characteristics. Yeah. So we've spoken about some of the the masculine characteristics in terms of being linear and goal-orientated and very directed, very purpose-driven. When we look at that, what we really need to do is just look at, okay, so where where would a feminine energetic sit here? So I want to do this with you. I want to ask you, given that we've spoken a little bit today about the masculine energetic, where do you feel the feminine energetic would reside within you? What would make you or allow you to be more in your feminine energy? For me, it would be creativity. I know this is a stereotypical feminine thing, but to be transparent, my real answer right away, tip of my tongue, is when I am being domestic. When I'm cooking, that feels feminine. It feels very flowy to me. And does it feel like forced and driven and just that other energy feels kind of harsh and this energy feels softer. Like when I'm cooking for my family, I love to literally serve the plates for everybody. I want to stand there and actually spoon the food out to each plate. It makes me feel really good. I love that. I love creating, like writing, listening to music, being out in nature. I don't know if these are correct, but that would feel feminine to me. Yeah, it's not It's not about being correct or, or not. And again, we're, we're very mindful when we're assigning characteristics to feminine energy such as 
awareness and passivity and inwardness and surrender and vibrancy and connectedness and softness and intuition and compassion and responsibility and trusting and seeing the world with ease and balance and there's a gentleness there and a sweetness there and that the feminine is permissive and inspiring and all of that, that doesn't mean that none of that exists in men or that it, but if we were to separate, so to speak, just from a place of contrast, not from a place of more distinction rather than separation, that's probably a better word. These are attributes that we would apply to the feminine energetic. Again, that doesn't mean that I cannot be intuitive as a man. It doesn't mean that I cannot be emotional or collaborative as a man. I can be in my own way through my own expression, but I'm tapping into a more what we would call feminine energetic. If I'm moving through the world with grace and ease and a tenderness in those moments, I may be more in my feminine energetic. So everything you said there was sure it's 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 feminine, and I and I obviously gave a I added a, a few more to that. But if we can balance these expressions within ourselves, it doesn't mean fifty fifty, by the way. So that's another thing that we think balance is a very clean and clear fifty fifty. No, that's not how it is. Balance is when you can sustain the energetic that you're in. You know that you're not in it too much. Yeah, I totally get it. That's basically it. It's that simple. And that's a subjective thing because everyone has their different stress points. Everyone has their breaking points, so to speak. So if you, if you know, if you can sustain that behavior and it feels comfortable enough for you where you're not stressed with it, where you're not polarized in it, where you're not suffering in so many other areas, you're in greater homeostasis. And that is an objective of every human being for the brain, for relationships, for the body, for the emotional self, et cetera. So as a novice, not quite understanding this fully, how about this? I can't imagine anyone could sustain that masculine energy all the time. But when you describe the feminine energy, I'm like, that'd be a great place to live 100% of the time. <laughs> like, is that possible? I don't, I don't think so either. Okay. Because, and here's why. Because imagine you were in that state all the time. I'd say you'd probably get a little bored. I'd say you're maybe losing contact with creation in an outward sense. Maybe you're losing contact with, you know, there's an excitement and there's a fun and there's a growth and learning that comes from setting a goal and then moving through various challenges in achieving that goal and embodying yourself and the lessons and the teachings and the growth along the way. And so here we've got this masculine energetic of goal orientation. We've got the doing energy of moving towards achieving that and we can quote unquote balance that with the reflective praxis, the introspection, the being along the way, the absorbing of the lessons and the teachings, the the immersion into the senses, into the, the earthly senses of what's what's required here, the visceral senses of maybe feeling fear, maybe feeling frustration, disappointment, and allowing self to feel that and and, and allow space for us to actually experience that. Now where there's more fe- an injection of feminine energetic there as well. And so I think the whole point for me, and the, again, this is a very complex layered conversation, but the whole point of masculine and feminine is that one isn't better than the other. One by itself is not more sustainable than the other. They're two wings of the same bird, two sides of the same coin. We need both. We need, in terms of masculine energetics, we need rationale. We need singular objective understanding of the world. We need to be competitive sometimes. We need to be analytical and fierce at times. We need to be emissive and assertive. 
We need to be linear and logical. We need to explore the outside world. We need to be purposeful. We need to have that go in us sometimes. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. We need to be resilient and tough. Now, again, when a woman's given birth and she's being resilient and tough, that doesn't mean she's in her masculine energetic. She's just being tough and resilient in her own expression, in her, you call it feminine expression, human expression, or, or even in her masculine expression. All of that's not relative, but these attributes that we assign they are part of being human. And if we're ever too much in one way, we're just not going to feel very whole and full as humans. We're going to feel empty at some level. So are there, I know it's, there's so many things that go in, that come into play in, in forming us. But if you just could be very black and white for me, even though we probably shouldn't, with men who have a lot of feminine energy and women like me who have that are more in the male energy, is there anything in childhood that usually helps contribute to that? Like if you saw 100 clients and all 100 were females who were like me, would you say, I bet a lot of them had X, Y, or Z occur in their childhood? Yeah, sure. So the way that you've described yourself in your masculine energetic is very busy in your business, very linear, very directed, very, I'm going to accomplish, I'm going to create, I'm going to do more, I'm going to be. And there's a, there's a hardening that comes from that as well, right? There's an exterior hardening, a mistrust, maybe a, a need to control. If And it was a great, it's a great question the way you've asked as well. So a hundred women, very similar to you in that energetic, what are their common thread of experiences they've probably had through childhood? Very hard parents, very goal-orientated, accomplished-orientated parents, parents that demanded more and more and more and more of you. You became a perfectionist. Values. So what were your family values growing up? What did that look like? Was it all about making money? Was it all about accomplishing more and, and status, how you're seen by society? Was it maybe that you used your accomplishments whether it's good grades or being great at sport or just standing out as a way to get attention because you didn't have the attention that you required as a child. You weren't seen, right? And that was very relative to you. So they're probably some of the core reasons as to why that may happen. Again, societal influences as well of what society values. Like your value as a person is in how much money is in your bank account, where you live, the car you drive, you know, these aesthetic material possessions. Nothing wrong with that, but it's our attachment to them and the way that we relate to them that sometimes not only defines us, but that also complicates our lives and gives us anxiety, so to speak. Yeah. And so I was motioning to you, I'll reveal to everybody. I, I've touched on this in a few episodes, but I'm an open book. So for me, I know when you were going through at first saying, you know, describing the parents, nope, 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 not me, not me. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's me. It was the wound of not being seen, not, I mean, being invisible actually. Then also not that we didn't have a lot of money, but that there was so much pain around that that it was constantly discussed. My parents were constantly arguing about having no money. So of course, that became extremely important to me. And when I didn't have any money, my whole existence was I'm not good enough because I don't. It wasn't that I was, to be truthful, it's not like I then went off and went to medical school like my brother, which was what I was supposed to do. I quit school and later went to nursing school and nurses don't make any money. So it wasn't that it got me on that trajectory of being super successful. It just kept me in that whole story of I'm never enough. I'm never enough. I'm never enough. But you rebelled. Yes. Yeah, which is a very common theme in circumstances such as yours. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so whenever this quiz comes out, tell everybody where can they find it? Because I'll, I'll, I'll tell everyone, I found you through Kayla Craft and I found you on Instagram and I love 
what you put on Instagram. I love your videos. I share a lot in my story. I know many of you have seen what I've shared. So besides learning from you just through Instagram, how else can they learn from you and also find out what you offer? Of course. Yeah. So I've got a couple of websites, but if you went to growwithsteph.com, S-T-E-F, so G-R-O-W-W-I-T-H-S-T-E-F.com, growwithsteph, you'll find that at some point soon in the next few weeks, there'll be the masculine feminine quiz there. There's already another quiz there around love blocks and identifying some of your biggest fears in life. That's not a quiz, that's an assessment as well, should I say. There's a, a heap of free, these are, all, these are all free, by the way. There's a heap of free information there. You can apply for coaching, how to work with me, what the, my programs that I'm offering and, and so forth. And you can, of course, find me on social media at Stefanos Stefandos. And Stefanos, will you also just share your wife's name? I, I still haven't yes. met her, but I've heard so much about her. I know she's very accomplished. Yeah, she most certainly is. She's an amazing, amazing human, amazing coach and deeply intuitive. Uh, Christine Hassler and her website is christinehassler.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us. And I hope we get to have you on again. Yes, you will. Thank you for having me, Jill. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me on BU. I know there was something in this episode you were meant to hear. So let me know in a DM on Instagram at jillhermanbu. Be sure to subscribe to the BU Podcast. And if you have iTunes, I would so appreciate you rating the podcast and leaving a comment with your biggest aha or takeaway. Sharing a screenshot of this episode on your story is the best way for us to reach women just like you. And if you send a link to a friend, let her know what unique quality she has that the world needs more of. If this is your first visit, welcome to our BU Collective, where we get honest about what it takes to find our true self so we can set her free and start living.